Welcome to Six Days to Sunday and to the second week of Lent. We walk into this week listening to a series of parables from from Matthew and from Luke, really describing the expectations that the Lord has of his tenants, of those that are there to serve him and provide a bountiful harvest for him when he calls upon it. It really places an emphasis on on being in one of a few camps, either the, the, the camp of those who are obeying the Lord, his commandments and his laws, or in some ways offended by that former group and believe that they're entitled to so much more because of where they happen to sit, what they've been given uh, as, a, as a gift up to this point in time. And so they lord that over other people and use that to their advantage, not to the Lord's. And then the third category of people is that the the group that has fallen away, the sinners and the tax collectors who Jesus draws to him and recognizes are the ones that were on the fringes of society, but he's trying to bring them in, whether that be a, a woman from Samaria an afflicted man who is sitting at the, the doorstep of a wealthy merchant, the sinner, the tax collector, ultimately the prodigal son. So during our reflections this week, we'll talk through what's really intended, what's the inner relationship of all of this that we've heard about this week, and why it isn't an easy task to do the Lord's bidding to be the good tenant, to be the prodigal son that returns without having to fight through a bit of the persecution along the way. Monday, February 26th, 2024. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. Lord, great and awesome God, you who keep your merciful covenant toward those who love you and observe your commandments. We have sinned, been wicked and done evil. We have rebelled and departed from your commandments and your laws. We have not obeyed your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Justice, O Lord, is on your side. We are shamefaced even to this day. We, the men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all Israel, near and far in all the countries to which you have scattered them because of their treachery toward you. O Lord, we are shamefaced like our kings, our princes, and our fathers for having sinned against you. But yours, O Lord, our God, are compassion and forgiveness. Yet we rebelled against you and paid no heed to your command, O Lord, our God, to live by the law you gave us through your servants, the prophets. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. 
A good measure packed together, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear the word of the Lord, princes of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, people of Gomorrah. Wash yourselves clean. Put away your misdeeds from before my eyes. Cease doing evil. Learn to do good. Make justice your aim. Redress the wronged. Hear the orphan's plea. Defend the widow. Come now, let us set things right, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they may become white as snow. Though they be crimson red, they may become white as wool. If you are willing and obey, you shall eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and resist, the sword shall consume you, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Before going any, any further on to Wednesday, um, I want to take a minute here because it's it's a really difficult set of readings, in particular the gospel according to Matthew this week. We see the words, call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not call, be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. And he, he says a lot about um, don't be called rabbi, don't be called teacher. And so at face value, you would look at this and say, isn't this basically a direct indictment of everything about the Catholic Church and its organized structure? We call our priests father. We look to them as teachers. What's, what gives here? And this is one of those places where it's really crucial to dig into specific context. If we look back to the Old Testament reading from Isaiah the, uh, on Tuesday, 
we see an invocation to the people basically to turn away from their various evil ways. In looking more broadly at Isaiah, what he's basically saying is there have been a number of, of directions given by God through the prophets, through the kings, through the judges, and they've been ignored in favor of um, other people basically starting up their own uh, efforts, what was convenient or meaningful or, or um, uh, desirable for them. And so he compares them to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who basically turned their back on God based on inconveniences. And so too, we see the same with, with Christ. He recognized that um, there was a high probability after his resurrection and departure that others would begin interpreting his will and the Lord's will based on their own respective conveniences. And so we, we certainly saw that happen throughout the history of Christianity. In the early days, we see a number of uh, the heresies and the apostasies um, that are stricken down ultimately. And then later on, we see fragmentation and schisms um, based on a desire by fathers of new faiths um, to uh, uh, to depart from the core core religion. So what did what did Jesus do as a means to avoid the creation of all these new fathers of individual sects? Well, he established in very clear terms um, the uh, the foundation for a lineage by saying, "I'm building my church upon Peter," and and in fact, perhaps the the best example of the pushback against this alternative fatherhood of faith comes from Paul in First Corinthians. Paul condemns the church at Corinth. Um, say, for, for saying things like, I am for Paul, I am for Apollos, I am for Cephas. And, uh, and so what he's saying is, you shouldn't be for any of us. We're not founding new faiths. We're not driving new religions. We're continuing to carry forward the fulfillment of the covenant as set out by Jesus. And so unless you can follow through and say, okay, I'm basing all this back to Christ, then you start running into this challenge of who really is the father of a given religion. And the church actually teaches that when we look at uh, the period around the Reformation, um, we actually see a number of people basically now starting to say, um, you know, I am for Wesley, I am for Luther, um, I am for um, uh, for the various founders of the very of the new denominations, and basically saying, you know, Jesus told us to avoid calling someone a new father or call, calling someone a new teacher. Um, that they really should be looking back to the to the origin, and and again, Paul really emphasizes this in First Corinthians, saying. This is what I received from the Lord and in turn passed on to you. So his entire point was, I'm not teaching anything new. I'm just helping you to hear what the Lord has already said. So like I said, I've, I've struggled with this um, particular passage in the past. I know a lot of people have. The church has come out with specific guidance on what this really is intended to mean. And, and it's worth you know kind of looking back into that context in order to see that it's not about striking down the seed of Peter 
as the foundation of some fatherhood, but rather it's about saying we shouldn't be acknowledging new fragments. And this is really what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing at the time. Each one of them was establishing their own school. And Jesus says, don't listen to them as unique teachers, but rather turn back to the Lord and to our original covenant and see that I'm the fulfillment of the covenant and I will provide the path for us to have that continuity after I'm gone. Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The people of Judah and the citizens of Jerusalem said, Come, let us contrive a plot against Jeremiah. It will not mean the loss of instruction from the priests, nor of counsel from the wise, nor of messages from the prophets. And so let us destroy him by his own tongue. Let us carefully note his every word. Heed me, O Lord, and listen to what my adversaries say. Must good be repaid with evil? that they should dig a pit to take my life? Remember that I stood before you to speak in their behalf, to turn away your wrath from them. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink. But to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thursday, February 29th, 2024. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, 
whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots toward the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. More tortuous than all else is the human heart, beyond remedy, who can understand it? I, the Lord, alone probe the mind and test the heart, to reward everyone according to his ways, according to the merit of his deeds. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores when the poor man died. He was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, A great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, March 1st, 2024. A reading from the book of Genesis. Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, for he was the child of his old age, and he had made him a long tunic. When his brothers saw that their father loved him best of all his sons, they hated him so much that they would not even greet him. One day, when his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are tending our flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I will send you to them. So Joseph went after his brothers and caught up with them in Dothan. 
They noticed him from a distance, and before he came up to them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes that master dreamer. Come on, let us kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns here. We could say that a wild beast devoured him. We shall see then what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from their hands, saying, We must not take his life. Instead of shedding blood, he continued, Just throw him into that cistern there in the desert, but do not kill him outright. His purpose was to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. So when Joseph came up to them, they stripped him of the long tunic he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the cistern, which was empty and dry. They then sat down to take their meal. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels laden with gum, balm, and resin to be taken down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What is to be gained by killing our brother and concealing his blood? Rather, let us sell him to these Ishmaelites instead of doing away with him ourselves. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh. His brothers agreed. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. 
A reading from the book of the prophet Micah. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance that dwells apart in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. As in the days when you came from the land of Egypt, show us wonderful signs. Who is there like you, the God who removes guilt and pardons sins for the remnant of his inheritance? Who does not persist in anger forever, but delights rather in clemency, and will have compassion on us, treading underfoot our guilt? You will cast into the depths of the sea all our sins. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and grace to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat the fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been in the field, and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, 
All these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in this second week of Lent, I think we can boil the main themes down to the parables that Jesus has given us. The first one that I want to point to is that parable of the landowner's vineyard. So in this scenario, the landowner, representing God, has built a tower, set in a wine press, um, built a hedge, basically set up everything that someone would need in order to generate fruits from the land. And then he hires in tenants who, rather than being grateful for the opportunity, begin to see this as an entitlement, that they themselves in some way are uh, the owners of the land and to set their own direction. So when the landowner... um, determines it's time for him to to receive the products of his harvest, the people who have taken up tenancy on his land begin to assault those who the servants that are sent to collect uh, the, the, the harvest. In this case, of course, the servants sent to collect the harvest represent the prophets uh, from the Old Testament. We hear from Daniel uh, in Monday's reading Um, that he's decrying the fact that the people have turned away from the prophets and the kings and the judges and have decided to set out on their own way that's led them down the road to sin and a departure from God. And that's effectively what Jesus is calling out in this parable, is the servants servants being the, um, the prophets have been disregarded. And not only disregarded, but outright attacked. Jeremiah says in one of the readings this week that, you know, why does good have to be repaid with evil? Um, That he was trying to provide God's word and um, the elders didn't like what they heard. It wasn't convenient. And so they started to strike out against him, to turn his words against him, to turn the people against him. So he was further persecuted. Well, in the end, the landowner says, you know what? Certainly they're not going to lash out at my own bloodline. So I'm going to send my son and they're bound to listen to him. And of course, Jesus is pointing to the fact that he is the son of man, that he's, he's the Lord's son. And, um, And not only do the tenants, in this case, the Hebrews, um, not listen to him, but once again, they kill him. So then what would the Lord do in that scenario? Ultimately, and this was what Jesus was getting at, the Lord is going to strip that land 
from the existing tenants and put it in the hands of those who are going to respect his will, do his bidding, and ultimately generate the fruits of the land that the Lord wants. The Pharisees and the scribes recognized in that that Jesus was referring to them and that they would be ultimately stricken down and those who are more deserving taken upon. Now, who were those that were more deserving? Interestingly, it's a lot of the people that were not within the confines of Jewish life at that point in time. We see in the the gospel this Sunday uh, the story of the good Samaritan or the Samaritan woman, and the Samaritan woman providing uh, Jesus water at the cistern, and coming to realize who he was, and seeking out all of the people in town in, in, to bring them to him. I understand that at this point in time, the uh, people of Israel and the people of Samaria did not get along. Um, and so they were seen as very much uh, on the outs with one another. So the idea that Jesus would be spending time with Samaritans was shocking to even to his own disciples. So Jesus is bringing people in from the fringes uh, as the people that would be the new tenants of, of the land. So, so what do we take away from that? Well, one is... The as, as Micah points out, and as Jeremiah points out, uh, and Daniel as well, it's important to turn from our evil ways, to follow the Lord, um, and to follow him truly. A whole series of the readings, I pointed uh, to the reading on Tuesday um, from Matthew, that points out that we, we cannot be establishing our own directions. We, we can't take upon uh, a different way because it was the the way of the Lord is is inconvenient to us, and yet we've seen throughout history this tendency that when faith didn't work in someone's favor, they sought out a new interpretation of the faith, a dilution of it, or or a diversion from it. And so Jesus saying, you can't simply decide to take on a new father. Um, you need to remain true to to that one and and true to the original covenant that he's come to fulfill. So being true to your responsibilities as tenants of the land to the Father. But that's not easy. And the reason it's not easy, as Jesus points out in several of the parables, and as we see in a lot of the other examples from Jeremiah and others, is that that's a path that's fraught with persecution. That if you're suggesting that you should go along one particular path, there are going to be plenty of people who don't appreciate that. And that it's simply not the, the easy path to take. It's not the one that just goes with the flow. It's a recognition that many have departed from the covenant um, and will impose their own will upon you in the interest of, in their self-interest. This is what he criticized the Pharisees and the scribes for, that they would expand their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. Basically, they would take upon themselves these, 
these signs of prominence and that in their pride establish the direction that that they would want to see. Interestingly, in that very scenario, we see that you know Jesus call out the fact that they will impose will upon all of the other people, but simultaneously ignore God's will themselves. And so it's that imposition of will, that that persecution for listening truly. But that's not the end of the story, is it? We go to the other parable, and we see the parable of the prodigal son, where one that was lost is now found. Someone that took the gifts of the Lord in this life and squandered them, squandered them in sin and and went off on their own, but has come to recognize what they've done. And rather than continue to live in squalor, worse than the life that, that swine were living, instead, that son comes back to the Lord, comes back to the father, and begs to be taken back in, humbles himself to the point of saying, I can no longer even be called your son. And what does the father do at that point? He celebrates. He welcomes the son back in with open arms, despite all of his sins, despite his distraction and all of the years that he's taken away. And yet still in that scenario, that second son, the prodigal son, is persecuted. In this case, by the very people, by the very brother uh, who has been obedient throughout the years, that it's led to um, a, a level of resentment that he should be admitted back in. And there are multiple parables about this, but at the end of the day, Jesus basically says, you, my son, or the, the father in this case, you, my son, are still going to receive everything that you do. Let's celebrate that we've brought someone back, that we brought your brother back back to us, that this isn't a, a, a point in time to be persecuting the younger brother, but rather to be celebrating that he's amidst us once again. So we're left with really three parties. One is the responsible tenant, the one who acknowledges the servants that come along, who appreciates the son, and who is willing to give the fruits of the harvest to the landlord. The second is the offended and afflicted party, the one who believes that they're do something, that they're entitled to great things in this world and the next because of their prominence or their position, because they're given something as, as a boon, but they ultimately take it on as their, as their own, not as the gift or the, the loan in some respects that they've been given. And the third is the one that crosses between. The one that um, is in the latter camp, is in that group of people who has fallen away, but has returned. And with that, the one last piece of this entire equation that's crucial is time. 
Jesus turns to the Samaritan woman and points out that he can provide her living water. But she needs to ask for that in this life. He then also points to the the man who treated Lazarus, who was fraught with sores, with complete impudence. And he says, listen, that guy, ultimately, both of them die. And Lazarus finds himself sitting beside Abraham because he took on the pains and the challenges and the effort during life and therefore is rewarded afterwards. While the, the Lord in this case, the, the, the wealthy man, was given all of the advantages during life and spat on and ignored and did not even so much as provide scraps to the man in need and finds himself in torment thereafter. And he says, Lord, Abraham, please, I didn't understand what I needed to do in this life. Please send Lazarus to to my family and tell them what I'm going through now so that they might, you know, change their ways. And Abraham basically says, we've sent all the prophets already. What would someone coming back from the dead prove to them that hasn't been laid out before? Of course, that really foretelling and foreshadowing Jesus and his resurrection and the recognition that even in his resurrection, he wasn't able to turn the Pharisees back in the right way, but he was able to influence a new path and create that, that beginning that Peter then established and, uh, and built into a, the global faith that it is. Through all this, though, it's important to remember, none of that was our entitlement. And Jesus once again says, what you do for the least of mine, you do for me. But we need to do that in this life, not simply expect the forgiveness in the next, not to presume upon the Lord for his forgiveness, but to take that upon ourselves. So I know, at least for me, I'm going to continue to fight to be one of those good tenants, the one that takes care of the Lord's gifts and is prepared to provide him the, the bounty when he calls for it. But I also know that it's only in his grace and mercy that I can come back as that prodigal departed son when, uh, whenever I fall away out of my own human guilt, my own human weakness. Thanks be to God.